content warning. This episode discusses suicide and suicidal ideation. If you or someone you know is suicidal, please contact your physician, go to your local ER, or call or text the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. Welcome to Pouring Over Pages, a podcast of words and wine. I'm Alexa. And I'm Maritza. Time to get lit on literature. Woo! Yeah! Episode 27 coming up hot. That's a lot. It is. Actually, I think next week is our two-year anniversary of the podcast. Yeah, I have it in my calendar. It's funny. Both of my creative projects, Alexa's Wine Diary and Pouring Pouring Over Pages, both happened in July, like within a week of each other. So I must have some sort of creative itch that comes around this time of year that I have to scratch. You're bored in the summer. Basically, yeah, it is. Uh, Alexa's Wine Diary is on July 26th. And then we are right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like a day or two away. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I get bored. Well, it's to everyone's benefit. Mm-hmm. We'll say that. I mean, this podcast has been such a such a special endeavor for us. And obviously, it kind of piggybacked off of Alexa's Wine Diary in so many ways. So, you know, we made it. We, we out here. We're out here. And we... Uh, we sure have an interesting uh, book <laughs> book for you today. It's a very interesting <laughs> book. If you thought our choices were interesting, this one takes the cake. Yeah, we a, f- a few things. I think we wanted to get out of our comfort zone a little bit, mm-hmm. and we wanted to celebrate Pride and extend Pride past June. Yeah. And, and and kind of talk about the fact that Pride is all year long, and that we can support. Um, authors and queer stories all year round. And so that's part of the reason for for the timing. But for those of you who haven't checked the title of this episode and you just go ahead and listen, which we appreciate, the title is Big Swiss by (laughs) Jen Began. And this book is so unhinged. So unhinged. It's so unhinged. (laughs) It's like extremely uncomfortable. It's really weird. It is bizarre. And I... Loved it. It was great. I, I find myself most attracted to these unhinged stories. Like, yeah. like I was telling you, I loved I Love You, But I've Chosen Darkness, The School for Good Mother. I feel like there was another one in there that was kind of strange. Yeah. Um, but I, I gravitate towards fucked up shit. Yeah. I think that says a lot about you. Yeah. Um. wonder in which way. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm not that fucked up if I read these things. Yeah. It's like fascinating to you yes. to like see these kinds of stories and- to envision them in your head. Because that's like what reading is. It's like hallucinating. Yeah. It's like looking at a dead tree and like yeah. envisioning things in your head. So when the story's like super fucked up, you're like, whoa. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like how I watch Vanderpump Rules and when, yes. when Scandal happened, I was like, yes. oh my God. That's it's, exactly but right. But it's a book and it's well written. So yeah. I mean, works. this book was really, as we said, unhinged, but we, you know, we we thoroughly enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. it's one of those books that I think requires an open mind totally and a little bit of curiosity but it was really really fun to read and I found myself wanting to get back to it my schedule has been so busy over these past couple weeks that I didn't have as much time to read as I wanted and but I found myself constantly like itching back to pick up the book which is a sign of obviously a great book and something that you know I really really enjoy so 
before we dive into this very, very strange <laughs> book, maybe Alexa, give us a little bit of the lowdown on the wine that we're already sipping. Yes, we are sipping on a wine from California called Bird Horse Rosé. I actually picked this rosé out of their 2023 Pride Pack. It's a pack of three and they donate the profits. And I believe Uncle Drew recommended this wine. Cheers um, to Uncle Drew. Cheers to Uncle Drew. We love him. So that's what we're sipping on. I'll get more into the details later. Perfect. This is delicious. Mm-hmm. So far, tastes like so. summer in a glass. Absolutely, there's nothing quite like pairing a good book and a good wine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what were your overall thoughts on the book? Overall, I really liked it. It made me uncomfortable, but I kept going back for more. So when I read this, I was um, on vacation in France, and I started reading it. I started reading it in America, read it on the plane, read it on the train, read it in the hotel. Like every moment, I had a, a blank like time or whatever like oh it's late I'm going to bed now let me read a few pages like it was one of those that I kept coming back to yeah and I enjoyed the writing I enjoyed the characters it's just like this it's like this level of voyeurism there yeah that it's just fascinating and you can't really look away from yeah I I felt the same way I would kind of pick it up sporadically because as I said my schedule has just been a little too full these days but what I what I really enjoyed was that the the storyline is is kind of bizarre, right? So like mm-hmm. from the moment that you even pick the book up and you read the flap, you're like, this is just weird. But why am I intrigued, right? And and the cover also, yes. I mean, we'll we'll post it for everyone to see. But this cover is so perfect for this book. It's just it's ridiculous. It's an Anna Wyant painting, and it is just. I mean, that's Big Swiss, right? Like, it's just so bizarre to me, but it really is Big Swiss. So for those of you who haven't read the book, this is a really interesting story about this woman named Greta who is living in Hudson, New York. She was engaged for a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we know from pretty early on in the book that her mother uh, took her own life. And so she has all of this trauma and all of these things that she has to unpack and figure out. So when she moves to Hudson, it's almost like she's starting from scratch and building a new life for herself. And she starts working, uh, for a sex and relationship therapist in Hudson as his transcriber. So she starts listening to all of these tapes from all of his patients and, the things that they say are so unbelievably weird. So bizarre. Like, so bizarre. <laughs> and and what's really funny about the book is that as as we are reading the transcripts along with her while she's listening to them, right? Because that's really how the book is structured. You actually yeah. read these transcripts in the same way. Um, she makes, like, little commentary throughout. And she, she she'll kind of joke about the therapist, Ohm, who's, like, so unhinged and so, so crazy strange. and, like, so unprofessional at points. Yeah. And so she kind of comments on that. And so you get to know her, Greta. You get to know Ohm, the therapist, and you get to know Big Swiss. And Big Swiss is actually one of Ohm's patients. And she's this tall Swiss woman who is living in Hudson mm-hmm. with her husband and has all sorts of also trauma. She was beat pretty badly yeah. by this man named Keith. And she des- she describes the scene pretty in a pretty lengthy way. It's really long. It's really long. It's really graphic. It's really difficult. But it does set the tone for you to feel a certain sense of like compassion towards Big Swiss. Yeah. And it turns out that Big Swiss is at the dog park 
and Greta hears her voice and knows that it's Vic Swiss, right, from the transcripts, mm-hmm. and they start an affair. Yeah. And what happens after that is all levels of weird and crazy, but Keith, the man who beat the crap out of Big Swiss, gets out of prison at around this time as mm-hmm. well. And so there's this, like, extra character that's not in the book until very late. He's just kind of like this this presence that yeah. they both feel or they believe is following them. And so you have a lot of layers of the book. Like you have Greta, who you're getting to know. You have the patients who you're reading their transcripts. You have Ohm who's responding. You have Big Swiss who's a little unhinged and and a little cold and emotionless yeah. at times. They said, I think, they described her her eyes as like knives cutting through you or something. Like very sterile but commanding. Yes. Like she has a big presence to her. Exactly. And she's, and she's very sure of herself. Yes. And in many ways the opposite of Greta. Mm-hmm. Greta is very... I would I would say she's she's insecure and she's struggling with, you know, recreating herself. Whereas Greta is a doctor, married, yeah. lives in this beautiful home, and has her shit together. And it turns out that what she's kind of attracted to is this disheveled thing about Greta this project. Yeah, quality. the fact that Greta's a total mess and lives in a house that's like oh my from God. the 1700s and it's falling apart, and her roommate is crazy, and they have a beehive There's inside a beehive. the house. And you're just reading it, and, like, if you're envisioning it, you're like, this cannot be real. No. I envision the house from Fight Club. Oh, my God. That is the house that they live in, for sure. Yes. Except worse than Fight Club, because there's, like, a beehive in the middle and, like, shit falling all the time. I imagine the house from Fight Club as a 1700s home with random people shuffling in and out and, like, shit falling down everywhere. That's what I imagined when I was reading it. Yeah, 100%. And it's... It's anxiety-inducing. Yes. In a lot of ways. When she was talking about repairing her window, like, I was, what? Like, it was just... She's like, I can't afford it, so I'm just going to get, like, a whole bunch of tape. (laughs) Tape and, like, cardboard and, like... What? I was like, this is not... And I'm, like, reading it in the comfort of, like, you know, my perfectly normal apartment and I was like okay this is just a lot for me to handle you have a computer to do these transcripts but you don't have a window it's insane it's insane and like the spiders there are spiders all over the house I felt so itchy I felt so itchy like watching and then like there there are are bugs that live in the curtains or something curtains and like and the bees are constantly everywhere falling and flying and dying all over you and I'm just like oh god and there was like the scene with the maggots, but it turns out that they're not maggots. Yes. And it's just like, it's just really, it's really gross. But I'm normally a person who can't read, st- like, or who doesn't enjoy reading that kind of thing because I find it just really, um, like, visceral almost. Like, yeah. it just, it bothers me physically and I don't enjoy that. But with this, but the book is so good and the story is so good and the writing is so good mm-hmm. that I was not not just able to get past it. I was actually able to appreciate it and enjoy how crazy and weird and exaggerated the story is because if you don't pick up on the fact that the yeah. exaggeration is part of the point, then I think you miss a big part of the story. Mm-hmm. But um, don't say we didn't warn you. <laughs> yeah, don't say we didn't no, warn you. No, and they're, um, Greta and Big Swiss are great foils to each other, honestly. They're yeah. like day and night. Who did you like better as a character? <sighs> I liked Greta. Me too. Yeah. She's fucked up and funny. She's funny. Like really clever. She's really funny. I actually, I appreciated her. Big Swiss, I think is like, 
just she's awful. Yeah, I think she's a horrible person. She's a horrible person, and I only enjoyed her in one moment. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favorite scenes in the whole book, which is when they have dinner with Luke. Oh, my so God. Luke is Big Swiss's <laughs> husband, and Luke decides that it would be nice to have Big Swiss's new friend come by the house for dinner. And this new friend is obviously the woman that Big Swiss is having an affair with, mm-hmm. right? So the two of them are acting like they're friends, but they start bickering at each other like lovers. And it yeah. becomes, I think, very obvious. But the conversation that happens at dinner, I think, was a really fascinating critique of the kind of cultural differences between Americans and Europeans. Yes. And Big Swiss is, like, a great foil to Greta for that reason, too, mm-hmm. like you said, because the cultural differences, I think, also feel like a character in the book. They feel really heavy and, and, and like, they take up a lot of space. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was really, really interesting when Big Swiss says, but the Swiss are vigilant. That's true. We like to keep each other in check. Americans could never handle that because they're such infants and so easily rattled. They can't ride the train without getting their feelings hurt. They can't walk down the street without being offended. <laughs> <laughs> and I was cracking up because I was thinking to myself, like, how many times have me and Alexa, like, had this conversation before we hit record where we're like, okay, well, let's just make sure we don't say anything that we're going to get canceled. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, let's just make sure that, like, we don't say anything that people are going to be like, oh, my God, you're insensitive. How or dare you're they? horrible. How dare they? Like, there's this fear of people expressing themselves or 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 being able to just have open and honest conversations. Yeah. I had I had lunch with a friend recently and we were talking about a couple of crazy things in the art world. This is an art world friend, but he said something eventually along the lines of like, we could never have this conversation in LA. Uh. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, in LA, like you could never have just like a normal conversation about like what we're talking about now. Like they're like, it's so politically incorrect according to like the The really, really, really LA, you know, people. And I was just like, damn, like, do we really want to be like this? Like, yeah, self, can't even. self-policing is, like, one thing, but, like, when we're all, like, looking at each other like we're in a fucking panopticon and, like, we can't even have conversation, I just, I don't know, man. It's I feel like lot. that's when the liberal just, like, shakes out of my body. <laughs> like, like, I just want to chat, guys. It's true. Let's just chat. Say what's on our minds. Yeah, and I think that so much more can, can come of that. But it, it's interesting that she says that, that, like, Americans are just constantly offended, and I think it's, it's true. It comes down to this idea that we've talked about before a lot on the podcast, which is, you know, if we acknowledge with some grace that we're not the perfect country that we pretend Mm -hmm. to be, we'll actually be a little bit less insecure about (laughs) when we want to make things better. And I think that that's what she means by that in the book. Yeah. Agreed. I would assume. I think so, too. Yeah. Because exactly. It's like, God forbid you even try to critique the United States in any way, shape, yeah. or form. Then you have the right people being like, they're not patriots. They don't love our country. They're from wherever. You know, it's just like yeah. all this crazy, crazy nonsense. It's so toxic. But she she does kind of like really lay it on thick during this this dinner. And she gave a really funny example, which I thought was fucking hysterical. She was like, if you go to the public restroom in Switzerland, there's rarely urine on the seat. And if there is, you know whoever did it wasn't Swiss. We're not obsessed with having unlimited personal freedom. We're not careless Mm -hmm. assholes. We live in a beautiful place and we take responsibility for it. We don't piss all over everything like spoiled children. And that really resonated with me. And of course, because I'm living in this day and age, 
in America, the first thing I thought when she said, we're not obsessed with having unlimited personal freedom. Yeah. I thought of guns. Oh, of course. Like, immediately. Because honestly, like, the Constitution was written so long ago when we were, you know. Yeah, we had militias, shedding, not yeah. a fucking army. Militias, we're leaving the British. Like, it's just so They used muskets, Alexa. Muskets. And then the type of gun back then doesn't even compare to the assault rifle guns you have now. And it's just such a... And not even everyone even has guns. Just some people. Like, and it's just like, it's such a who gives a fuck thing. Yeah. But yet it's like so ingrained in people like, no, I need my freedom to have a gun. Like I had a friend the other day. They were talking about getting a medical marijuana card or whatever. And I'm like, oh, cool, mm-hmm. cool. Like I'm like, it was really, it's really easy to do. Like you get them everywhere. It's like, oh, but, but then I can't, you know, down the line if I want to get a concealed weapons permit, you know. And I'm like, well, are you? He's like, no, but what if I want to? Just like the sheer thought of like my freedom to get one if I wanted one would be taken from me. And I go, well, sweetie, we live in Florida now. So that doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah. Like, but also this like bizarre thought. Yeah, I I don't I don't understand it. I I think it comes down to what we define personal freedoms to be. Mm-hmm. Because I don't care to own a gun. No. Really. And I don't associate having one with freedom. No. What I consider to be freedom is if I'm going to go to the supermarket, I want to feel safe. If I'm yes. going to go to school, I want to feel safe. If I'm going to go to work, I want to feel safe. That, to me, is the real freedom. Agreed. Knowing that I can leave my home and that I'll come back. Yeah. Right? And so, to me, I value that. I value my life and the life of others so much more than this hypothetical thing I might need at some, at some point, point in for time whatever reason. For, yeah, it's just bizarre. It's very bizarre to me. But I think, you know, we, and we've had lengthy conversations about this, I think on and off the pod, but the, this concept of personal freedom in the United States is so intrinsically linked to slave ownership mm-hmm. and, and forcefully taking land from Native Americans and women fighting for the right to vote. Like this idea that you need to be prepared for those who are going to have an uprising, (laughs) right? Like that's where these fears come from. It's just something that people don't want to acknowledge, but. Just in their minds. Exactly. Buried there. And so I just, I I was really excited about that part in the book because I thought it was funny that you have someone like Big Swiss living in the U.S., but like in a kind of chill, small town type place. Mm And then you have Greta, who's the kind of foil of that, but that she's making these these claims, these very bold statements about um, the cultural differences between Switzerland or Europe and the U.S. And how I'm sure that people who read this book, I mean, I don't see any Republicans reading this book. No. But if they were to, I don't think that they would love that part. I don't. Which is why I liked it. Yeah. Too. They wouldn't Obviously. like that. They wouldn't like the the queer indoctrination. They wouldn't like No, because apparently if you read gay books, you can become gay. Disclaimer, guys. I didn't know sorry. that. We didn't mean to make you gay on here. Yeah, this is we're so sorry. We're sorry. But we're actually not because we think that <laughs> if there were more gay. gay people, this would be a better world. But you know, that's a whole other conversation, maybe for another day. Maybe for another day. Oh gosh. But that that to me was just a really great a really, really great moment. Yeah. Um, and that dinner was really fascinating. It yes. gave in such a insight to to Big Swiss, first off, and then her relationship to Luke, her relationship to Greta, her lifestyle, because we don't really get a ton of her lifestyle until that dinner party moment. Yes. And we don't get really deep with her until there, and then you kind of see 
Luke and you see her fancy ass house and Luke and her are, you know, supposedly a perfect couple and like how they have all these plans and a family. And then like Greta is like dragged in there like, yeah, like, I don't know, like a crazy bag lady, like some crazy trash lady. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and I mean, we haven't even really talked about this, but like how fundamentally unethical it is that Greta kept from Big Swiss the fact that she knew all about her issues because she's overheard her therapy transcripts. Like, the fact that she kept that to herself and that, like, little tidbits of Mm -hmm. those therapy sessions would come out of Greta's mouth and Big Swiss thought that she was, like, psychic or that they were, like, connected. Meant to be. And I was like, no, she's just a liar. Yeah. And and so clearly it's a sex therapist. So Big Swiss was disclosing all this information about her and Luke and their sex life and how they didn't connect and all these things. And so it's just really uncomfortable then to just be seeing Greta there sitting across from this man thinking like, well, I fulfill your wife. Right, exactly. (laughs) It's just, it's so uncomfortable. And like while you're reading it, though, you're like giggling to yourself because it's so strange. Like the whole thing is so strange. But Greta, it's funny, like. It's so unethical what she did, but I forgive her for a lot. Mm-hmm. And and I think the author checks us a little bit because I think that it was her intention for us to feel a certain level of compassion towards Greta. Yeah. And there's a moment when Big Swiss kind of calls her ass out and was like, if everything can be explained by your trauma, then nothing is really your fault, right? You always have this convenient out. Your mother killed herself, and so that gives you permission to do whatever you want, to eavesdrop on my therapy session. <laughs> So that's obviously later in the book when she finds out that Greta knew all about her sessions. But I think that the author kind of places that in there through Big Swiss because we are supposed to be, as readers, reminded of the fact that Greta is also doing horrible things. Yeah. But we like her. We like her, but she's a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, and breaking so many HIPAA laws and just, like... It's it's, it's fascinating. And then I think that that quote in particular... I find fascinating because we have these two women who are royally fucked traumatically. Mm -hmm. Like, Big Swiss got the shit kicked out of her. And then we have Greta, whose mother killed herself. And she grows up thinking that it was her fault that her mother killed herself. Like, she gave her mother almost the permission to kill herself. So you have both of these women dealing with trauma in such different ways, like, on the spectrum. You have Greta, who is self-loathing, self pitying, self-wallowing, everything. And then mm-hmm. you have Big Swiss who's like, I don't give a fuck. That was such I'm a fine. I'm fine. That was such a part, small part of my life. And yet they connect in such a way. And I'm just like, oh my God, different sides of the it's coin. It's a trauma bond. Yeah. It's a sure. trauma bond. 100 percent Like this is not in any way, shape, or form a healthy Mm-mm. affair or a healthy relationship in any way. But it's through finding out the truth about Greta eavesdropping on these <laughs> therapy sessions that they both actually kind of confront what they've been dealing with. And one of the things that I really enjoyed was towards the end of the book when we actually read Greta's transcript. Mm, because Om, yes. the therapist, fires her and is Obviously. like, you can't fucking do this. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? But I really appreciate that he does provide her this safe space. He's like, look, you can record your own transcripts and give them to me and that like that'll be for free. Mm -hmm. And then I'm happy to give you a half hour session and then we'll take it from there and see what happens. And he didn't have to do that for her, but I think he could see and sense how really tough her life was and then just like how bad her situation was. And those therapy sessions for me were among the most fascinating of the ones in the whole book because Greta really opens up about 
her experience about her mother and the relationship she had with her and why she has felt responsible for her mother's death and all of these things. And we're like, oh, that's why you're so fucked up. That's why you are the way that you are. Yeah. And that I really appreciated because it was like the end, it felt conclusive to me in terms of the transcript. Like, oh, okay, we get to see Greta in the therapist's office now instead of everyone else through her eyes. Now we're seeing her. And I thought that that was a really great kind of come to circle moment. Definitely. And it was so kind of on too, just like on a, on a doctor level, seeing like this wounded bird essentially and like scooping it up and helping it fly again. He's so much better with her. Yeah. Like he's like, he's like a real therapist when he's, talking to her and working with her and with everyone else, I was like, this guy's, like, a mess. Like, this Wait, is not a professional everyone, therapist. No, with like, everyone else, it was almost like he was putting on some show. Like, yeah. this is what therapists and air quotes are kind of like, I don't know, it's it was, weird. It was so bizarre. And I remember thinking, like, this is, like, the one therapist in town? <laughs> like, it was just, it was strange. But I, I enjoyed him as a character because yeah. he's almost like a caricature of what, people who refuse to go to therapy think therapy is. Yes. And I thought that that was really funny. Because, like, people who have never been to therapy, I think that they assume that they're going to talk to some, like, hippy-dippy person who is going to, like, you know, hypnotize you. and like Ring a gong. And that you're just going to, like, take a little nap and you're going to feel enlightened. And I'm like, no, actually, it's quite the opposite of that. I mean, at least that's been my experience. Where, like, it's just a lot of talking and it's a lot of, like, you answering your own fucking questions. Yeah. You know? And... And having an impartial person kind of guide you in the direction in which you need to go. But these therapy sessions were hysterical to me. I was like, I'm laughing at other people's problems, yeah. but they, they are so funny. They were really funny. And some of them were so bizarre. Like, what was the Jason Bateman one? Mm-hmm. Um, she thinks that, she, that, no, Jason Bateman appears in her life whenever, <laughs> whenever something happens or yeah, something like that. Yeah, something weird like that. And then Greta met the girl in town or whatever and let it slipped like you look like Jason Bateman and she was so happy she's she was, like oh my god thank you thank you so much it's like these people are insane but it's like I think that the whole book it has elements of course of seriousness and yeah and and all of that but there's a lot of hyperbole for the sake of humor mm-hmm. dark humor it's super funny dark. it's it's crazy it's ridiculous it's all sorts of things and I think the author, Jen Vegan, I think she did a really phenomenal job with this book. I mean, I don't think this book is for everyone. No. But I do think that if you're someone who's interested in a kind of unhinged, entertaining, gossipy type story. So gossipy. You will like this. Yeah. You will like it. It's juicy as hell, too. Super. It's it's like a a soap opera almost at certain points. And you're just like... Oh my god! And then this happened, and it's just like a pile on of drama that you're trying to yeah. sift through, and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" It's like a roller coaster. It's going up, click, click, and you're like, "I can't believe she did that!" Click, mm-hmm. click. Oh my god! And then this happened, click, click, and you're like, you're at like, the top of the coaster. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, the floor is gonna go out from under them at some point. Yeah. When is it? Yeah, exactly. And it happens. It does eventually. <laughs> eventually, it does happen, but only after. So many things have accumulated. So many horrible things. And you have to ask yourself how it even got to this point. (laughs) It's insane. It's crazy. And we haven't talked about one of the characters I think is the most fascinating, which is Sabine. Oh, yeah. Greta's bestie. She is weird. She is the owner of the horrible house that they live in Mm -hmm. and, and Greta's friend and roommate and... 
she disappears for a while in the book and Greta assumes yeah. the worst. Like she's she at one point guesses that she has cancer, yeah. like terminal cancer and it turns out that Sabine was just in rehab. Yeah. That she, she had a drug problem she's and like, that she no, like sweetie. needed to go away, you know. <laughs> which which she had all obvious signs. She's like, yeah. I don't eat. I'm always awake. Like, yeah, all she these... was extremely thin. Yeah, I'm like, come on. She's on drugs, girl. Like, get like, with honey, it. Let's, yeah, let's be real here. She's not just like an erratic. I mean, she, yeah, she is erratic, irresponsible person. But it, she's on drugs. Yeah. I mean, look at the house she bought. Like, yeah. bitch is on drugs. Exactly. <laughs> it's a really insane relationship, too, between the two of them. Like, they support each other. They care. They care for each other. They... They make a good, like, team. Mm-hmm. I mean, they live together in this shit house, you know? Oh, wow. And 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 they manage somehow to make it work. But I think she was a really fascinating character. She's she's not really a foil to Greta at all. Instead, no. she's almost like a... Um, a future Greta, Yes, almost. like, or, or like a cautionary tale yes, for Greta. Yes, totally. You know, like, like you can end up like this. Yeah, because um, Sabine is a little older yeah. than Greta and has, like, a 20-something-year-old son, mm-hmm. I believe. And like, yeah, 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 she's on the older side. Yeah, so it's 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 an interesting friendship relationship there, but she's someone who's worth, I think, kind of diving into a little bit because she represents a lot of a lot of Greta's fears as well. You know, ending up in in a place like this where you you know you're kind of stuck. Like Sabine, I think, was like the personification of being stuck. Yeah, like in this home, and yet there's this hopeful moment when we find out that she left because she was trying to do better for herself. So yeah. she's she is an inspiring character. She is a character that I think really does a good job of adding more context to the story, which I appreciated. No, totally. And she was just also, like, just someone who was there with Greta and the house and made Greta feel almost less crazy. Yeah. Which was nice because Greta's crazy as fuck. So uh, made her feel less crazy, less unhinged because there was that commonality there and made you sometimes feel like Greta was the same one at points almost. Yeah, because when you have two people who are unhinged or when you have two things or two people at any moment, you're 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 conditioned to compare them. Mm-hmm. And so as readers, you know, if the two of them are in in one scene, just like when you have Greta and and Big Swiss, you have no choice but to look at the differences and analyze the differences and and one of the things that that I actually did like about Big Swiss is that she would like throw in these random like little tidbits of wisdom in yeah. her therapy talks, like as awful as she kind of was, but she she said one that I really liked and it reminded me of me. So of course <laughs> I liked it. She says, I'm direct um, because I don't care if people like me. I distrust people pleasers. They seem phony to me and dangerous. <laughs> and I was like, this is literally the, like, that's my Bible. You're like, that's, that's what exactly. I abide by in my life. Yes. Like I'm never actively trying to be disliked. But I do not care if I'm disliked because it means that I've lived my life in the most unfiltered and honest, true to myself sort of way. And I liked this message and I liked it within the context of, of course, her having this affair with someone who is acting as essentially someone else. Yeah. So it's really interesting to me, like this whole like, oh, I I distrust people pleasers. I agree. I do think that they're dangerous. They are. They can never side with anyone. And pleasing everyone. the irony is that we always call them Switzerland. Swi- yes. 
which is not a fucking compliment. Like when people all. are like, oh, I'm neutral, you know, like I'm like Switzerland. I'm like, oh, okay. So like during World War II, you wouldn't have sided. You would have been like, I'm listen, guys, I'm cool with both the Allied yeah. and the Axis. Honey, no. You're like, I'm sorry. I mean, I don't agree with the Nazis, but I'm not going to stop anything. You know, I'm, just, like, I'm, what? Just here to, I'm just here to chill, man. I'm just here to chill. Don't like, invade us. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> the, like me and you use the Switzerland oh, the analogy time. all the fucking time. I'm like, yeah. it would, it's, I'm allergic to being Switzerland. Oh, for sure. I'm allergic to it. Like, I can pick, pick a, side. a side without even, like, I mean, I'll think about it, I guess, but I don't have to, like, wallow in it. Like, no. I will pick a, a side. You have a guttural reaction. You're like, this is the side. I'm Boom. also, like, in the most toxic way possible, like, loyal. Like, you could go out into the street right now and stab somebody, and I'll be like, he probably deserved it. Like, <laughs> Alexis had a bad her. day. Like, I will not, under any circumstance, be like, Alexa fucked up. I'll be like, you know what? It sounds to me like that's what she needed to do. <laughs> like, that's, I mean, sorry. Like, and maybe that is dangerous, too. Maybe, but I would rather but... be on that side of the spectrum than the fucking... Let me be cool with everyone. I want to yeah. be liked by everyone. Honey, not everyone's no. going to like you anyway, so just yeah. do whatever the fuck you want. Agreed. Agreed. I did like that about Big Swiss. Yeah, I did appreciate that. She did have a lot of wisdom and, and confidence, and, and I think some of it rubbed off on Greta at some point a little bit, just to kind of like find the help she needed and be clearer with herself and understand that like she had to do something. Yeah. I mean, I think I think she knew she was stuck. Yeah. And Big Swiss, in many ways, kind of represented all the things that could be mm-hmm. if she had the courage to to go for it. And I also wanted to chat a little bit about Greta's relationship mm-hmm. with her ex-fiancé, uh, yes, Stacy. That's right. Who is a man, who by the way. Man, this is not so another you know. lesbian, you know, no, relationship. No, no, no. I thought that was really interesting. She described Stacy as the person who kind of did everything for her. She never felt any stress. She felt very safe. She felt very protected. She felt like she, you know, could just go on with her life and that everything would be okay because Stacy is there. Yeah. And at one point, she's like, I can't handle this anymore. I'm like, you can't handle someone taking care of you, sweetie? Like, and what's I was up like, with that? Um, and... This is what you left to go live in a beehive? In a beehive shithole, like, in a small town. I just did not understand. The only, like, red flag about him that I got was that they were engaged for 10 years. Yes. That was And I was like, okay, so he's a pushover then. Yeah. Or, like, he just doesn't have the ability to confront Greta. And Greta it was very non-confrontational at many yeah. points in the book. So I was just like, okay, so he can be kind of an idiot. But Basically. that was really like the only red flag. Like, like There's just way like worse a very things. Decent man. Way worse things that could be if you're like a doormat, a pushover. Like mm-hmm. that's the least of the flags, I think. At least, you know, for us. Like it would be worse if it was the other way around. Right. You know. At least from our perspective. Yeah, that wouldn't work for me. That would never work. No. That doesn't work for me. Someone trying to tell me what to do. (laughs) I'd be like, no. There's the door, bitch. Bye. (laughs) Get out. I'm going to lock it when you go. It's just, it's crazy to me. Like, that that relationship was interesting. And, like, how they met and everything was, like, very wholesome and very sweet. Like, she was was the waitress and he was at the restaurant. and, And he was like, I hope this doesn't come off too forward. But, you know, like, would you like to hang out sometime? Like, it was just so normal. And I was like... You left him for this. So I got annoyed because I did want, 
I did want more of that story from the author. Like, I wanted him to pop up at some point. Yeah. I wanted there to be more like, so what happened with Stacy? Because it was left so open-ended that I was like, what happened? Like, she just left and then he stayed behind. Like, what? I don't know. Yeah. I wanted more there. No, and then you would think that he would try to go after her or something, but maybe he's such a pushover that he's like, no, she doesn't want me. Or I don't know. It was very... Mysterious. Yeah. It just felt off. But I guess she's a fucked up person with her her mom's death and being handed around from family member to family member. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, she she kind of recreated or wanted to recreate what it was like to to be a kid. Because even if it's chaotic and and uncomfortable, it's still what you know. It's still recognizable. So having this, like, stable home with a stable person who takes care of you, that feels – foreign mm-hmm. and and uncomfortable in 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 a bad way not like in a I'm settling into this kind of way right yeah. like she really does kind of recreate some of those childhood patterns which I think is 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 very clear in the book and and then of course we have that horrible moment where she's staying with her her uncle and his wife yes, Petra and she's wife. like a born again Christian oh my god yeah after her mother died they they left her with the uncle like basically her mom's siblings kind of like threw yeah. her around like you take her yeah. now and then the, and his wife was younger i want to say russian yeah. or some sort of she was like she was, she was like slovak or something yeah 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 exactly and she was a born again Christian and started taking Greta to church but like these weird cult kind of churches and like oh my god it was the most like bizarre ass thing it was really weird and very very American very like we don't live in a city like that but like imagine living somewhere where like you have these like stadium sized churches Mm -hmm. like that's what I was envisioning like people getting in line to like do their like baptism or whatever yeah and then like i don't know i also imagined all that doom gloom of like if you don't find jesus you're gonna burn in hell with the sinners and the homosexuals like and i'm like i I 100 percent rather be with the sinners and homosexuals because i I already live with them here (laughs) in this life so that's exactly i envisioned like this weird like joel austin yes. type like moment where Lots they of- they shame her into feeling like she needs to yeah accept jesus christ as her lord and savior <laughs> i was like this is too much for me i know and then luckily um her other aunt comes in and realizes like that they're brainwashing her and yeah. she's like you're fucking coming home with me no and it was funny because like, she was like i told you guys not to do this shit yeah so, like I'm there like, was like there was like a chance i'm like was, wait like, oh, what so you let her stay with them knowing that this was a possibility oh my like God. what the fuck the poor thing so you can imagine like you have all this unstable childhood stuff your mother kills herself stuff you're being thrown around between siblings stuff you don't have an un- you don't have a stable home no. stuff and then you've got like the shamey religion stuff mm-hmm. like who wouldn't be extremely fucked up i'm surprised she didn't kill herself honestly yeah i mean there was many points in time that it. she talks about it that she's thought of killing herself um and then she doesn't but like i'm like damn girl i'm surprised it's those those parts were i think difficult to yeah. wrap my head around because she talks about it so casually. Yeah. Like nothing. Yeah. Like, yeah. She just didn't value herself saying like, yeah, just go. You know. And Big Swiss tells her that. Yeah. And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean value myself? She's like, I'm fine. People I live in this house with bees. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> like, what do you mean? She, she's insane. Like, she's insane. But 
please read this book, guys. Yeah. It's so it's good. It's so fun and, and unhinged and gets you thinking. And, yeah. And, yeah, it's fun. If you like reality TV, I feel like this is a good one because it's yeah. just, like, first off, looking into these people's lives through these transcripts, it's, like, almost like you're yeah. watching them through a TV screen and you're getting in all of their juicy little weird sex secrets. Mm-hmm. So that's the funny part. And then all the drama with her and, like, the sexcapades that they had around town yep. and just, like... We're not going to spoil the ending ending. Um, no. Which is really crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want to give that to it, y'all. It's worth it. Yeah. After everything. It's worth it. The ending, we were, we were talking about it before we hit record. We feel that there was more we could have gotten from the ending. Yeah. I, as I said, I wanted more Stacy, or I wanted him to come back at some point. I wanted there to be conclusion there. I wanted there to be a little bit more information about where Greta was headed. There's just a lot that I didn't get, mm-hmm. but I appreciate in a way that it was open-ended and it allows for yeah. us as readers to sort of come up with our own conclusion. I don't always love doing that. I'm happy to do it sometimes, but I don't want to have to put in that much work. Yeah. Yeah, it just felt a little bit like whiplash because we had this massive climax moment. Whereas all the craziness that we're not going to tell you about. Yeah. So this massive climax and you're like, oh my God, what the fuck? And then it like shoots down and wraps right away. Wraps in an an open-ended way. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, that's okay. Okay, I guess so. I could see some people liking it. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I didn't too. hate it. No, I didn't hate it. I just wanted more. I wanted more. But you know what? That's the sign. I think of a book that did its job. If you were enthralled the whole way and then what you wanted was more, then the book did what it needed to do, in my opinion. Yeah. No, that's a good way of saying We that. had that conversation when we read um, oh, and discussed- um, um, The One in the Woods. Yes. Um, the, by Ruman Alam. Yes. Um, um, fuck. Fuck. What's the name? Whatever. No, I have to look it up now. <laughs> Alexa is currently scrolling I'm through scrolling. Instagram I'm to scrolling. find this fucking book. I'm, I'm, leave the world behind. Leave the world behind. behind. So if uh, you want, that is episode episode five. Oh, my God. Way back when. The OGs. OG episode. That was such a point of contention for us. I was so pissed. I know, but it's because the book was so fucking good. It was good. And you then wanted I was like, what the know? fuck? I want you to know what happens. I need right. to know what happens. And you don't. I'm so invested. And you still don't. I will and never. never will. I never will. <laughs> <laughs> never will. Well, uh, on that note, cheers. Cheers. To a fantastic book. And now we get to move on to the delicious wine that we've been sipping this entire mm-hmm. time, which is so good by the way it's like so delicious. i'm very like hit or miss with rosé like mm-hmm. i'm either like oh this is basic like eh, whatever or i'm like ooh, mm-hmm. i'm into this and i'm gonna categorize this one as the latter I'm totally into this so with this lgbtq plus book i wanted to focus on queer winemakers in a past episode i featured the wife duo of Camines to dreams so um i was looking during pride month uh, i did a post on alexis wine diary about 
Pride producers you could follow, and I was pleased to find this other partner duo. You got a lot of cool comments on that post, yeah. too. Oh, I got lots of comments. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, why do people hate the queer so much? Oh my god, I enjoyed going through that post and all the it comments so and just bizarre. liking all the ones where people were total dickheads. Total I was like, you know what, like, <laughs> and I'm just like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what's people are fucking trash. They're that's horrible. No, but then I love the people in the comments like fighting them too, like fighting back at them. I think that's so funny when people just like come to bat for you and I'm like I didn't even ask for this but thank you so much thank you I was just like god and I'm not even queer imagine if I were like exactly (laughs) and I'm getting all this hate oh but there's no hate here at birdhouse there is only love yes so birdhouse basically started off with a vision for the future of california and winemaking a vision angered in a passion for diversification so they strive to showcase different regions varietals and humans that have long had not have a presence in the industry so they've been in it but haven't been showcased haven't been recognized so a lot of different um, diversity there they're driven by curiosity transparency science and data we love all those things here. <laughs> the science but most importantly they love delicious wines and sharing them with the wider public so bird horse i keep wanting to say birdhouse and i have to change i have to be like bird i know horse. i know bird horse bird horse. it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue <laughs> it's intended to evoke a sense of adventure and whimsy rooted in the familiar and that's the same feeling they hope to express through their wines so now going to the the winemaker duo uh corinne rich and katie rouse they um they're partners in life in wine and and they're so cute if you go to their instagram you see them all over together doing different like wine things and in the winery and i just i just love their that's so relationship so corinne was born and raised in sonoma county california she earned her ba in chemistry at the university of pennsylvania had a small stint in pharmaceuticals and then returned to north california to dive into wine production she spent time working in harvest around a variety of regions including Sonoma, Willamette Valley, New Zealand, and Australia before she returned to school for her MS in viticulture and enology from UC Davis. And that's where she met Katie and the two clicked. They both worked to harvest in South Africa, became inspired, and returned home to start Bird Horse. Katie did her undergrad at Whitman College. She learned to be in geology. She loves rocks and you need to know about the land for wine. So it works out. She was born into a winemaking family. In Virginia. You know, I love Virginia one. I went there yep. for harvest. Fuck, was it like 2017? No. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, because it was like when I was thir- 30. Or like 2930. <laughs> I'm like. It's okay, Alexa. You're still oh, in relax. You're breathing a little oh, heavy. God. Oh, God. Oh, You're going to be okay. The time. The time. <laughs> uh, but yes, I love Virginia wine. And she uh, naturally gravid- gravitated back into winemaking while living in Sonoma. And while she was earning her MS in viticulture analogy, she fell in love with Corrine. They were both there and they partnered up and everything. So I just love a good love story, especially when it involves wine. So for this episode, they actually have a pride pack, like a trio of different wines that celebrates all things bright, juicy, and pink. And the wines included are this 2022 California Rosé, which is what we're sipping on today, a 2022 Helotropes Red, and a 2022 Sassoon Valley Valdigue. Valdigue. Interesting. Uh, and what I like about the Pride Pack is that 100% of the profits are donated to the Tegan and Sarah Foundation. The mission of the organization is to improve the lives of LGBTQ plus women and girls. And this mission is founded on a commitment to feminism and racial, social, and gender justice. I mean, it's critically important because women 
and girls face greater socioeconomic and health disadvantages compared to male and heterosexual and cis counterparts. So they're doing the Lord's work, the Lord's work here. And the foundation raises awareness and funds to fight equality and justice through flagship programming, grassroots organizations, activists and communities um, that often go unrecognized by major funding institutions. So they're helping out the little guys, too. That's amazing. Yeah. No. So you could drink and feel good about yourself because you're giving back. You know, I feel really good about that because I think we've done that done that a lot. Like yeah. We've we've you've really been able to source wines that that do exactly that that they do really really good work and so you can enjoy the wine and have a you know bring it to dinner and your friends are going to be impressed but you also are contributing to really really important things and you know that's really what what this is about. Yeah, no, I mean, we're here contributing to society and our platform, and they're doing the same through through their winemaking, and it's such a beautiful thing. It's amazing. This rosé, um, I picked it because I realized I hadn't done a rosé since episode 16. It's been a minute, and it's, it's, minute. And it's summertime. I'm like, rosé all day. It's also, for those of you who aren't here in Miami, it's 212 degrees outside. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm in Satan's asshole every day. You are outside. in Satan's asshole. <laughs> Just it's, like... it's fucking horrible, guys. Like, oh it's, God. like, if you, if you're one of those, like, oh, climate change isn't real, come down to fucking Miami. Come down. And then, and then you'll shut the fuck up. Like, it's unbelievable down here. And so, rosé and white wine, that's it. Like, that's all that's we're it. having right now, guys. All my reds are sitting on the shelves looking yes. at me like, when are you going to drink We me? don't want you right now. We don't want you. Stay there. Yeah. Stay there. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, this rosé is, is a little special because, so first off, it doesn't come from a single vineyard. They source grapes from different vineyards, so they always have to work on finding the right blend to express the vintage. This blend is made up of Valdigui, Barbera, and Carignan. The Valdigui was the core of the blends. A small portion of the grapes from the Sassoon Valley were put to uh, direct to press and pressed in single stainless steel tanks and started fermentation. Uh, this one's kind of special because they use the, the Sony method which they always blend back like 10 to 15% of it from their red ferments. And in this case, it was the Carignan and Barbera. So uh, Sony is a process. This is a process that isn't normally used in rosé. Like only, I think like 10% of all rosés use this method. Oh, okay. Um, sometimes it's thought of as lesser, but not, it isn't. It really impacts like this really great um, color and fruitiness to it. So red wine grapes are picked when they're ripe. Red for winemaking, cool. They're crushed and put into a fermentation vat. And after a short period of time, from anywhere from like two hours to two days, a portion of the juice is kind of like bled off. And then the rosé finishes fermenting on its own. Um, And it does create like kind of these different layers and and complexities to it. So uh, the Sony fermentations are quickly blended with the already fermenting Valdigui juice. And then once it's all combined, the fermenting wine is transferred into stainless steel drums, where it is fermented and dried and sulfured to arrest secondary fermentation. And then it stays there for five months until it's racked for bottling. So this method does give it that fruitiness and complexity. And if you look at it on our Instagram, it's like more of a, a copper color almost. There's yeah. more there's more color to it when you look at the bottle. Um, so it imparts all those cool colors and flavors to it. Um, and now our favorite part. I mean, we've yes, been tasting. We've been tasting but, it. you know, the formal tasting. The formal tasting. So, like I said, it is like a, a really beautiful copper. It's like a penny, like a copper penny. Yeah, it really is. Like, and that's from that method. And I love this description from the winemakers. This wine has all the juicy, sweet notes of a late spring day. 
Absolutely true. So true. So I'm going to sniff the wine. It has a nice, strong aroma. Kind of it's, like. It's pretty floral to super. me. Have a nice, like, punchy, citrusy notes. Also, some, like, fruity, like, red fruit. Yeah. Like, I get it. strawberry. Yeah. Like, bright and tart and mm, so good. Spring day. I would say a good summer day here because we're just yeah, dying. Yeah, because we're just dying just over here. Bathe in there. It's funny. Like, I recently I was at a restaurant and I ordered a, a bottle of wine. I forgot what it was, but it smelled awful and tasted great. And it made me like re grateful, if that makes sense, yes. for when I have a wine that also smells really good yeah. because it's a different experience. Like, when something smells a certain way, it also affects like your attitude towards drinking yeah. it. So when I smell something like this and I'm like, oh, it smells so like fresh. It smells so floral. Like I know it's going to taste good. It's like a totally different experience when you're For like, sure. mm, okay, like this kind of smells like feet, but it's it Tastes does taste good. good. Like it's <laughs> weird, right? Like, no, it's true. And then sometimes that's like a sign of not the best made wine. Like mm. because you don't want it to ever smell bad. Like like it could smell it could smell like smoked meat. Or it could smell like right. pepper, or it could smell like this. But if someone's straight up like, yo, this smells like ass, like they smell like feet. You never want your wine to smell like feet. So well, this one did. Maybe they didn't blend it right, or do it tasted something. good though. Yeah, no. It's a, well, I did the blending at the Finger Lakes that we still haven't tried. Yeah, it's still sitting there, but mine smelled awful, awful, and it tasted good. Yeah, but I'm a bad winemaker. That's okay. <laughs> I'm not the best winemaker, but this one tastes good and smells good. It does. Luckily, um, we get lots of like orange, citrusy, lots of watermelon. Like they mm. mentioned watermelon in the notes and I'm like, yeah, I totally get it. I get watermelon. I get like watermelon Jolly Rancher almost, yeah. like this juiciness to it. It's not super tart, just like at the no. end. Yeah, at the end, there's like a nice little bite to it. Yeah. Like a nice minerality on the back, like the back of it. Yeah. I really like I really like this. It it feels like the kind of rosé that's got Peach. it's got substance. Yeah, yeah, it has like a slight yeah, that acidity and like some bitterness at yeah. the end like a like a slight kick. Yeah, absolutely. But lots of watermelon, lots of deliciousness, like totally a Miami heat advisory wine <laughs> like we're having these days. Yep. Very much in the pool, on a boat, on the beach, in a park, in your car, like anywhere in Miami. That's in air hot, conditioning, in air conditioning, uh, in a porch, in a. Because <laughs> it's it's wild out here, guys. It's the Wild West, guys. If you don't die from the heat stroke, you'll die of the flooding. Yeah. So that's what we're Wish dealing us luck, y'all. with right now. But this wine is delicious, and you know I love the story. I always love giving back. I'm always very mindful with the wines I choose because I want them to either be like sustainable or fair trade or good to their employees or believe in a cause or like biodynamic all these different things that contribute to making the world a better place like we do yeah. with this podcast um so I was just so happy to to find them and like I did a lot of digging like I did that post about pride and I found I don't know maybe like eight producers or ten I forget like under mm -hmm. ten yeah. And then in the comments, I had all these people being like, yo, don't forget this person. Don't forget that. And started tagging. And I'm like, yes, this is the community. That's I love the this. That's the best part of community. Mm -hmm. That's the best part right there. Because 
that's how we get the word out. Exactly. And it's so great because then I then could share with you guys and then you right. could find a, a lesser known, um, you know, producer that you you want to support. And and then you get to really know these people because they are smaller operations yeah. and you get to know them and see them and feel them. Just like with our conversation right now with Shop JD, JZD. Yeah. Like it's a smaller operation, Latina owned, and now you know them and their personalities and you can feel good about buying into their brand because you know exactly what they're about. Yeah, and I mean, I think in in moments like these, like it was it was Prime Day, like what last week yeah. or something, yeah, yeah. and in moments like these where we're seeing the strike in Hollywood and you know the union busting at Starbucks and at Amazon, like mm-hmm. you don't have to feel like you're a prison to all of that stuff. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you can buy really really great wine. It's it's exactly. such a simple choice that's maybe outside of like the norm, but you can buy really great wine that, you know, is outside of exactly what we're describing. Exactly. This like hyper capitalist moment. Like you can support these small producers who are doing really good work and producing really fucking good wine. Amazing. Like there's no excuse. Like there's no such thing as anyone being like, oh, like I wouldn't want to drink from these like smaller producers because no. they're just not as good. Like that's not real. They care more, I think, if anything. Yeah, and, and, and there's more like personality to it. And you can feel, as you said, like really good about it. And and it's also, I don't know, maybe I'm just like a little egotistical, but I love nothing more than showing up to like a dinner party with like a really good bottle of wine that no one's heard of. Yeah. I'm like, yes, honey, I just taught you something. Exactly. <laughs> and because they're smaller, you might not find them out right away, but I'm here right. to share them with you. So now you yeah. know and you can seek them out. And, and it's super affordable. So this rosé is $22. Wow. On their website. Super cheap. That's amazing. And I bought it through the Pride Pack and the Pride Pack is three wines for 80 bucks. And they're so well made and they like focusing on different varietals and just like mixing it up. So I yeah. think it's a steal. You could find it on their website at Bird Horse. And I'm just really happy for the suggestion and and happy to showcase them because they're doing great work and they're great people. Yeah, absolutely. And you can count on us to continue to highlight winemakers like these who are really doing really great work and who want to make the world a better place. And you can enjoy and feel really good when you drink their wine. Yes, exactly. Oh, such a good pairing. If you want to hear more about these pairings, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Give us all the stars. Follow us. Um, make sure to go on Instagram at Pouring Over Pages Podcast. Sign up for our newsletter. Be the first to hear about any episode drops and get some promo codes for merch. Merch on our Etsy shop. We have awesome tees, totes, long sleeves, I think. Maybe a, a notepad. I don't we've know. Got, we've got a water bottle. Water bottle. Lots of shit you on there. name it. Mugs. It's on there. Um, So go in there and uh, most importantly, stay tuned for next episode and like always, cheers. cheers!